Aloha. Welcome to the Emily T. Gale Talk Story Show. I'm delighted to have on the line with me from Honolulu, Wesley Walehua, who is the Executive Director and CEO of the Aloha Section PGA and Foundation. And Wesley, thank you for taking the time this morning. Aloha, Emily. Glad to uh, to be on your show and always be able to support you for everything you do for our golf industry. Well, I think that's the, the word golf industry is something that I'm just constantly, you know, I grew up playing, being a junior golfer and in some way I've been in the business of golf for a lot of my life and, and I think often people don't realize that what a, what a, uh, contribution the business of golf is to the, the state of Hawaii. When I called you last week and said, let's talk about the Aloha section, Manalani Resort, Hawaii State Open that is coming to the Big Island, which is a, is a big boost to the Big Island at, at this time of year. I listened to our show from last year and there was so much interesting information that you, that you gave us. So I thought I'd kind of start with that and ask you to, Tell our listeners, you know, about the Aloha Section PGA and how it fits into the PGA of America and how that is different from the PGA Tour and yet how they all work together. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there are 41 different sections of the Aloha of the PGA of America, and the Aloha Section is just one of those. So there's 41 executive directors managing the massive business on behalf of the PGA of America, working very closely with our 28,000 PGA professionals. And here in Hawaii, we have 236 PGA professionals and apprentices at about 100 golf courses, indoor and outdoor combined across our, our island home. And, you know, part of what we do is, is making sure that the industry is, is functioning and is alive and, and how we can contribute to its growth. And when you look at the golf industry in Hawaii, it is approximately a $2 billion industry that employs about 25,000 employees with an economic output and wages close to about $975 million a year. So it is a pretty big, massive industry that relies on hotel and tourism and all the indirect markets that support our facilities statewide, and um, it, it's never a dull moment in the islands when you have a massive uh, industry riding on your shoulders that you have to protect and care for uh, throughout the year. <laughs> well, you know, I've been following the Aloha Section PGA for a long time. I did play in the Hawaii State Open years ago before all the juniors got so good, but at the time, Susie Maxwell-Burning, who had played on the LPGA, and a lot of great players, Lori Panos, and a lot of great mm. players in Hawaii playing in that event. And, um, you know, oftentimes just thought of it as the Aloha Section PGA putting on tournaments. I, and it really is, to me, only been in recent years, like maybe the last 15, <laughs> that people have appreciated that it, the golf creates a destination for Hawaii. I mean, I, my, um, misremembering how it wasn't really focused like sand and beach and sunshine as the reason people come to Hawaii and that, the Aloha section has done such a good job, and since you've been involved, because you have such a strong background in business, and you grew up in the golf, you know, world really, right? Weren't your parents the founders of Mid Pacific, or one of the founders? Talk talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that, and how the Aloha section has really made people realize and gotten these kind of facts and figures, gathered them so that we could recognize it as how important it is to Hawaii. 
You know, part of, I think, our role with the, the PGA of America is to be the lead golf association within the industry. And when I talk about the industry, I'm talking about, you know, our allied partners, which include our amateur body, the Hawaii State Golf Association, the juniors uh, with Mary B. And, and Matt Rollins with the Hawaii State Junior Golf Association. And, of course, our extended family, when you look at our women's division, our golf course superintendents association, our retail merchants, uh, club managers association everybody needs to collectively come together because we share such a very small uh, geographic footprint that requires a lot of attention when you look at our players that are mostly transient and of course our kamaina which do ma- majority of the supporting of our golf industry throughout the year so we are in a very delicate uh, balanced industry that relies on airlift to our islands as well as the uh, the, the people of our islands to support our professionals and our facilities uh, statewide. One of the things that we, we do every other year, and we held one again this year, is our uh, Hawaii Golf Industry Conference, which brings together all of our stakeholders in the golf industry market that are either directly uh, involved through our owners and operators and our professionals, and our indirect markets, which include hotel, tourism, uh, transportation, and airlift, and to talk about real, really the issues that are facing the golf industry's growth and what we can do to continue to add to that growth. And uh, surprisingly, one of the things that um, I think many people were, were not aware of is that golf is continuing to grow again. I think we've experienced in the last four years uh, a slump in the golf industry market, and uh, a lot of people think it's a downturn, but personally, I believe it's more of an auto-correction to the market. Uh, when you look at golf's history going back to 1965 when when the PGA Tour was originally formed, and the PGA Tour is a branch of the PGA of America, it's our players division, a golf course or multiple courses were built every single year from 1965 to 2003 across the United States. And golf has grown on the back of residential and commercial development. So when you look at the turn in the market after the global financial crisis of 2009 and 2010, when the the development market went backwards, it's only natural that the golf market would also respond the same way since it grew on the back of the residential commercial development market. So to me, it's more of an autocorrection. And I think when you look at our numbers, facilities are busier than they were in the last five years. They're rehiring positions that were... Uh, either let go or terminated during the the shrinkage in the market. And I think when you look at our junior golf numbers, our junior golf numbers nationwide are are very strong. And I think it's just reconnecting and promoting those uh, results to the public because sometimes the media gets very tied up in, in promoting so many negative things online and rarely do we focus on the real stories and telling those stories to the golfing community and the supporters that love the game. Well, I just, you know, the the growth of the game and the junior golf, having grown up as a junior golfer, and here I am, you know, still loving the game and involved in it, and that's because of junior golf. And when Mary B. Porter King started the Hawaii State Junior Golf Association as an umbrella to, you know, all the junior golf programs that are going on across the state, I think the the testimonial is in the success and the the Aloha Section PGA supporting that to the degree that, that you did and continue to support it with the, you know, the play golf, all the clinics that you offer and everything. And then we see, I see people like Hunter Larson and John Ota and, you know, all these players that I met when they were eight, nine, ten year old junior golfers, right? Now out playing, you know, professional golf. I mean, the names just, you know, the kids that graduate from University of Hawaii and they go off and 
thinking of names that you brought up last year that were coming to the play in the uh, the David Finks, the Alex Chang. I mean, those are all products of junior golf. Absolutely, and that's just a testament to the commitment of of our allied partners and the vision that we try to shape uh, for the future of the Hawaii golf industry. I think it's important um, that we remain uh, connected to our partners and, and really collaborate with them on a statewide level on how we can uh, play a part. And I think one of the things that we are continuing to work on is bringing together a lot of the, the junior island associations to get some better strategic alignment and have everybody understand their vision. Many times parents and players get lost in the understanding of what it is to be a player, and they see the, the traditional path of junior golf, high school golf, collegiate, top amateur and then turning professional. And that's, that is the traditional path uh, of a player. But the way we see it here in the Aloha section for, from a PGA perspective is we want to create life players and we need to get families and parents and juniors to understand that the traditional path of junior to professional is great, but we want to continue to have other players in life. And that would be players like you that have pursued media, players that me that are in executive management for the industry, players that have played junior golf and now that are superintendents or retail merchants. Or the most important one of all, which I think is just a natural life player of a junior that's played, loves the game, has a family now, is a profession, is a professionally employed in business somewhere, but as an amateur that comes back and contributes and plays every weekend and gets their children involved in the game. And I think we need to continue to tell these stories about the different player paths that are available out there so people don't get lost in the mix of just thinking that I have to start as a junior and end up as a professional. There's so many on-ramps into the expressway of the golf industry. It just depends on how long you want that on-ramp to be or if you're going to have a quick on, short on-ramp right into the professional world. Uh, but I think the game has changed and so has the development of our players, and that's where I think the PGA has done a really good job with some of our player programming from PGA Junior League to drive chip and putt to, um, you know, play golf America and, and on and on and on. And these programs have been so successful on getting the numbers uh, risen and getting players engaged. Well, it's so true, too, about all the different paths one can take. I mean, usually when you're – for so many of the junior players, you know, the professional is in their eye. I tried for the LPGA and then played some mini tours and, you know, always kind of there. And I always say we never stop aspiring to be the best player we can. We just have less time and things like that. But what I love is, is how, you know, watching the, the friends that I've made that were juniors and they went through high school, college, and then on to other things. Sean Maikawa would be an example, you know, pursuing professional. And then he ended up going back and being in a, uh, I worked with uh, his high, his college coach Casey Martin last year as a as an assistant, and I saw him the other day, and he just loved the whole idea of maybe going into coaching. He really enjoyed it, something he had never thought about. And, and others that end up in the business of golf, Kevin Ganoza, you know, the director, the head PGA professional at Waikoloa. It's, it's Hunter Larson down at Kohananiki. I watch so many of these people. They continue their game, but they they really contribute to the to the uh, business of the game. But also, they're mentoring more junior golfers, more families, teaching them the the, mm-hmm. the, the joy of playing as a as a family. And so, you're so right. I mean it. It's, there's so many different avenues, but that's what's so great about the the game of golf is it just is a, absolutely gives you such an all around look at life, and you can play it at any age. I mean, I played with my dad when he was 86, you know, and 
I'll never forget him saying, I don't know about you, but I like playing those forward tees, you know, which everybody used to call the ladies' tees, right? But yep. the PGA of America and everybody advocating, you know, to enjoy the game more. That don't You don't need to be back there at the back tees. Learn how to play the tees that work to the game that you play. It's about enjoyment, not having to be better than the next guy. Just kind of express that a little bit about the many ways that people can enjoy the game as a family. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's there's so many different programs and so many courses do many different things uh, for some of their even fun tournaments, whether it's uh, instead of selling mulligans, they'll sell uh, hand shots where you can pick up the ball and throw it or you can roll it and it counts just as a stroke. You know, there's there's a lot of other engaging ways of, of shifting the course and playing the tees forward, as you mentioned, which is a big program with the PGA and the USGA. Uh, you know, um, adjusting adjusting the pars for some of the fun tournaments. Um, making it a par eight for the ladies instead of a par five that allow them to score a little bit differently. Of course, a lot of these these changes don't necessarily mean the USJ approves uh, those scores to be put in for handicaps. But you know what it does? It keeps it fun. It keeps them engaged, and and it's something new and different. And I think that's what our PGA professionals have done at their facilities is related to their market and related to their customer where they can develop some new games and new ways to play to attract new players. And that's and you're when you talk about the path and the cycle of of a player that has played junior golf like a Sean Mayakawa or or Hunter Larson or Kevin Ginoz at Waikoloa, I think it's exceptional because now they're in a mentorship position to help mentor other other players. And I know Kevin's got some new apprentices out there, including Nainoa Kalip from the Big Island, Stephen Winchester, and they're going through the PGA program to obtain membership because of the respect that they have for Kevin Ginoza and what he's done for them to support golf on the Big Island. So those are some of the great stories that people don't really hear about, and it's our job, I think, to tell those stories and tell the community that there are ways for people to still be involved in the game. And it's not necessarily just trying to be a professional. You know, one of the on the back end of things, and we I just had a conversation with Kevin about this on on Monday, is our PGA professionals get so worked up in caring for other people's and teaching them the game and putting clubs in players' hands that they sometimes they forget why they got into the business, and that's because they love to play. And one of the biggest things that I think we're going to see out of our members in 2018 is we're encouraging them to continue to play more golf if you're a leader in the industry and to enjoy the network and fellowship that that's a part of our association, being members of the PGA of America. And I think that is a huge part on getting people to play. People play when you invite them to play or when they ask them to come out, but nobody wants to play by themselves, right, Emily? <laughs> you want to play with a friend. You want to have a great time. You want to be with a bunch of people you want to spend on four hours with on a golf course. So. Get, get more people to play, pick up the phone, and, and call them out. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree with you there, but I'm one who loves to play alone, and I encourage people a lot to go out late in the afternoon and, and you know, they can work on their game alone to not always feel they have to be out there at a sure. early morning tea time and stuff. And the other thing that you mentioned about uh, making golf more fun, I'm always encouraging new golfers to play in a scramble event. It's a wonderful way to be involved in a tournament sure. without having to worry about your score because you, your drive isn't going to count in every hole and your score isn't going to count in every hole. I love what you just said. We're speaking with Wesley Wailehua, who's the executive director and the CEO of the Aloha Section PGA, 
and foundation. And the foundation aspect is important to mention, too, because the Aloha Section PGA Foundation, you know, from scholarships to free lessons, the, the way that you support the game through the foundation. But when you just mentioned about more of the, the, the pros that, you know, finish college as amateurs, turn professional, try it for a while, go into the, become a Aloha uh, Section PGA member, a very rigorous apprenticeship program. When you mentioned like Stephen being there at Waikoloa, I mean, they really have to, what's that on? It depends on how many years, three to five years, huh, for someone to become a PGA member? On average, it's about four years. Uh, some yeah. members take a little bit longer because it is at their own pace. And and for the members or the apprentices, excuse me, that go through the program on the mainland where they have a shortened season of six to eight months, obviously there's not as much as they yeah. can get done. Our Hawaii professionals have a full 12 months where they can go through the program. It is basically like a college accredited program for a degree in the management uh, for the game of golf in the industry that teaches them not just how to play the game or how to be instructors, but also the business and how to run a facility, responsibilities of a general manager, food and beverage responsibilities, financial planning and forecasting for budget. So the program is pretty intense and in-depth. And there are additional accreditations to the program as well where they become certified professionals in a specific um, in a specific class, whether it's general manager or teaching or player development or something along those lines. And then there's master professionals, like a doctorate degree, that allows them to be even more sp- certified in, in some specific category of, of or industry, of aspect industry of the business. So there's so many different programs. But the basic program uh, to get their professional membership is about three and a half to four years, and it requires them to make three trips to Florida, uh, for weekly seminars, and then they come back and they test out here in the islands. And if everything passes, and they obtain membership and become major contributors to the to the Hawaiian golf industry, and and that's where we get them uh, to get involved, as you mentioned, with our philanthropic arm, the Aloha Section PGA Foundation, which we use to raise money to give out scholarships to help support and promote the Folds of Honor, which is a national partner of the PGA of America. Uh, we raise money every September for Folds of Honor. This year, I think we raised about 30000 thanks to Greg Nichols at Koalina, who helped spearhead that campaign. And and the interesting thing is the money that we donate from Hawaii to the Folds of Honor, that 30000 comes back to Hawaii in almost $80,000 in sponsorships for our, for our military families, for their children to attend colleges, to to obtain higher education. So it really goes a long way to have this 501c3 nonprofit uh, entity of the PGA out here to help promote that, to give lessons, to grow the game so that there is no basis of anything, so that anyone, regardless of gender, ethnicity, socioeconomic stature, can really learn how to participate and play and enjoy golf like we all do. Well, you know, it's who would most people have no idea that there's that much that goes into every section, as you said, what forty one sections of the PGA of America. And that the Aloha section alone, when you just mentioned about having the conversation with Kevin, that they get away from, he, he's the head PGA pro at Waikoloa Beach Resort, you know, they get away from playing. I'm often asking Kevin, are you going to play in the tournament? Or, you know, if you have an tournament coming up. So I'm always so happy when I get press releases from you and I see things like uh, Juan Rodriguez and, and Chris Kitt, Team Nanea, yep. have won the recent Easy Go Team Championship. I was just yes, looking at that did. again. Second place was uh, Kevin Ayashi and Rodney Asia, and then third was 
JTC and, and Josh Shillman from Mauna Kea, but uh, I'm always happy when I see the, you know, I look at the list and see who's playing because it takes a lot for them to step up to the plate and play those back tees and play in the tournament, you know, try to keep up with their games. And, you know, it, it's, and you're right, it's, it's a tough thing for them to do while they're running golf courses and mentoring the apprentices that are working with them. But it, it, I, it's nice to see that you're focusing on getting the players to get out. Um, just recently you had the uh, qualifying. You have two spots in the Sony Open. And there's kind of an interesting history to that. We might even, you know, segue into the Hawaii State Open because the the Sony Open has uh, some history with the Aloha Section PGA, and Eric Dugas just won a spot in that um, as Kevin Hayashi, what he's first alternate. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, that relationship between the Aloha Section PGA and the Sony Open. Absolutely. You know, the the Sony Open actually goes way back when it was really called the uh, I believe it was the Hawaiian State Open, and that's when it was founded way back in the early 20s, early 30s, and, and the purpose of that event was to basically crown uh, the champion golfer at the end of the year throughout our island home. The tournament grew and continued to, to grow overseas where more people were traveling from California and the mainland and Japan to participate in the event. And fast forwarding into the, into the, into the 60s, the event got so large that a few of Hawaii's top businessmen went to the mainland and spoke with the PGA Tour and wanted to make it a tour stop out here on the islands. And I'm, we're talking about Francis Brown, um, Mr. Bellinger, and a few others that made the trip to kind of get the tour to come out here and start the event. And I believe it was in the late 60s, early 70s, when the Hawaiian Open was made an official tour spot here in the islands. And as you know, that tournament grew into the United Airlines Hawaiian Open, which is now the Sony Open in Hawaii, which is played at Waialai. And through our partnership with the PGA of America and the tournament sponsors and and the start of the event, because the event was originally managed as a separate event and then managed by the section, um, we have two spots that are awarded directly to players in the state. One goes to our PGA professional who wins our section stroke play championship, which this year is Eric Dugas. And then the other spot goes to the top amateur uh, from the Governor's Cup points in our Pro versus Am Governor's Cup match, and I believe it is Tyler Ota this year that will represent the amateurs in the 2018 uh, Sony Open in Hawaii, which is their 20th anniversary year tournament for the Sony Open in Hawaii. Um, you know, I think it wasn't until 1975 uh, the board members of the PGA Aloha section decided to rebirth the Hawaiian State Open, and now because of the licensing and other names, uh, we call it the Hawaii State Open. And that tournament has kind of moved from island to island uh, since 1975, 1976, and has finally made its way to its new home on the uh, Kohala Coast at Manalani Resort. And we're excited to once again contest the tournament at Manalani just in a few weeks, starting on December 15th with round one and through the weekend, uh, ending on December 17th on both the uh, Francis H. E. Brown Manalani North and South Golf Courses there. Well, what a testimonial to that venue because, let's see, what is this, the fourth or fifth year? Um, this will be the, uh, I believe it's the sixth year that we'll be the there. Sixth year already. Well, it's just, yeah. I mean, the testimonial is that you have a full field. I mean, people fly from all the islands and across the state and to play in the event. And I think you, I have a feeling you've actually 
gone a little beyond the full field at times because so many want to play in it. But to have such a great venue, the Monolani Bay Hotel gives a great rate. To have the whole resort be embrace the event, and each year it just gets more refined. And of course, Wes, you you know you have brought so much to the Aloha Section PGA. I I hope it's as much fun as you seem to make it for people. As much fun for you to, to <laughs> you and your assistant Kyra Chung and everybody involved and all your volunteers. But you know what you've done to the section and you've raised the bar in the whole presentation. Talk about that partnership, being able to work with the resort who are so willing and your other sponsors to create such a first class event. You know, I'll be very honest, Emily. When I got in here, um, there was a little bit of disarray and, and failed communication between our sponsors and our supporters and, and even our membership and our allied associations. That it was very disappointing. And it took a couple of years to kind of get everybody to buy in, but I think now the industry has their utmost confidence in in our leadership and our vision for the game of golf here in Hawaii and. Having partners like Manalani Resort involved um, to support a major industry event like this, the Hawaii State Open, I can't think of a better way. And when you look at the course's history and the property's history that goes back to the Skins game and to the Brown family and everybody else that has been a part of the property, I think it's 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 a tremendous um, legacy and responsibility that we carry in this partnership to continue um, why golf is so important to our islands with its history. And um, I think when you look at the course now, they do have new ownership this year. Uh, We've had very great conversations with the ownership that's uh, managing the property uh, from their hotel side, Rodney Ito, uh, who's their uh, senior manager for Manalani Resort, to Scott Christensen, who is with Troon Golf, who is now managing the 36-hole property out there. Everybody is very welcoming and receptive to having the tournament. And as you mentioned earlier, we're we're actually oversold <laughs> this year, which to me is a horrible problem to have because we want to make sure that everybody can come out and experience Manalani. It is there is no place like it on the world. The holes, the scenery, the beauty, the wind of Manalani. Um, it's very difficult to explain unless you played in the tournament, but to experience Manalani really makes these players who win it, in our minds, legends at Manalani and legends in the history of the Hawaii State Open. Well, just of recent years, what, Dean Wilson, a uh, winner several times, Parker McLaughlin, Nick Mason. That's Nick just Mason, in the, yeah. the Open division, but, but in the senior division, which is extremely competitive, and my favorite part about the senior division is not only how competitive it is, but these guys have all grown up with each other, Scott Simpson, Kevin Hayashi, uh, uh, just drawing a blank on a, a lot of the names, uh, uh, Dave Eichelberger, uh, the ones that I've seen when they sit around and, and having lunch after their game. And we have Mike Reed Steve that's Arriano. coming now. Yeah, Steve yeah, Arriano, okay. you know. So we've had we've had some really great uh, history people, big names that have come out to support the event. Uh, Mike Reed will be back again. Scott will be playing this year. He didn't play last year because he had an injury to his hand. Um, you know, uh, David Eichelberger is playing. David Ishii is playing. Kevin Hayashi is playing. So when you look at the senior competition, it's it's really competitive. But when you see them out there on the tee box and you watch them all tee off together in one group, you're looking at a hundred years of championship history of winning events. You know, from the majors that they've won, especially with Scott winning the U.S. Open and Dave winning the U.S. Senior Open, it's kind of like 
these are like dream groups for some of us uh, local kids that used to grow up watching them play. And for me, even though in my position now, I'm still excited to shake David's hand or Scott's hand or to talk story with them and the fact that they actually know my name. You know, I think that's one of the coolest things being a junior and, and actually being now a leader in the industry that you create these relationships and you find out when you meet these guys that they're just like any other junior. They worked really hard, practiced hard to get to where they need to be, but they love the game and they love playing and they love the competition. And I think now as, as playing in the senior open division, it's more of a fun get together at the end of the year where they get to see friends and to see people that they haven't seen all year and to kind of reconnect and you know, and, and I say that because we lost one of Hawaii Golf's greatest this year, who's won several tournaments, probably the most winningest player in the state of Hawaii, Lance Taketa. I mean, excuse me, Lance Suzuki. And Lance Suzuki was such an icon to a lot of us juniors out there that have played and supported the game of golf by giving lessons with Casey Nakama's program at Olomana and. Um, he will be missed participating in the state open and he was certainly a role model to me as a player and playing with him in, in several events. And Casey Nakama, of course, wasn't that uh Michelle Wee started with Casey? Absolutely, in yes. Her early days and I think um, for some I ever saw Michelle play was uh, she was twelve years old, it was Hawaii State Open, I think at Hawaii Prince or somewhere and uh it was with Susie Burning and she was that's the first year that Michelle won but I think, did you start junior golf as a nine-year-old? That's about the age I started. And you're right, you meet these people, you watch them. First time I ever had my eyes on Hawaii was the Hawaiian Open. Ted Makalena. What was Ted's last name? Ted. Makalena. Makalena. That's, I would, that yeah. was my first introduction to Hawaii and golf. And, you know, so all these names, you're, you're right. I love, I love being able to see uh, Scott Simpson, Dave Eichelberger, and Kevin Hayashi. I admired him from afar. So... But the other thing about this uh, Hawaii State Open, it's one of the, the oldest and most prestigious tournaments, but it's not just for professionals. It's also for amateurs, and that's what I, I love as well. You also have a women's division. So just you know, say a few words about both of those divisions. Yes, we have actually uh, four divisions, six flights. So we have the men's opens division, which is comprised of our professionals and our championship flight players. Then we have our senior division, which is our senior pros and our senior ams. And then we have a women's division, which is women's uh, professional, women's amateur, and then our A-flight players. So we try to get a good mix uh, of players involved. I think in total we have about 92 amateurs competing of the 180 that are in the tournament right now, so a little bit more than half the field. And the other half are all our professionals uh, that are playing in the event as well. And the purse that's awarded to the field is approximately $60,000, put up a lot, of course, by Maulana Resort and our sponsors, uh, like Big Island Candies, National Car Rental, um, and this year new, adding new to the event will be JTB Hawaii as one of our tour sponsors uh, for the tournament. So it's been very interesting to watch this tournament grow on the Big Island, and one of the concerns that I had originally when we made this big move uh, to Manolani was whether or not the industry was going to follow us. Being here on Oahu, it's so convenient uh, for people to fly in and fly hotels, but... Um, being on a neighbor island has always been an operational challenge for us. Our cost to get there, we ship about 1,500 pounds of tournament gear the week before and computer gear that's got to be there on site for the event. So there is a huge investment from the section 
to make this move to a neighbor island to do it. But I think that's where Manalani Resort has done an outstanding job of accommodating us and making sure that we can host this event. And they want to remain committed to the golf industry by by continuing its legacy and what they've had already there on the property. Um, the field this year, I think, is going to be another outstanding field. Last year we were um, hit with a little bit of uh, severe weather, but um, which shortened the tournament down to 36 holes. I'm hoping we've got a lot of that out of the way in the last couple of weeks and that we'll have some beautiful sunny days at Manalani with some decent trade winds, but more importantly, keeping it interesting for the field of players, of professionals and amateurs, so that we can uh, have a successful event this year. Well, I, one of my favorite things about that you still have at the Y State Open is you have wonderful scoreboards. You know, growing up as a junior golfer and scoreboards were all, I used to do scoreboards, in fact, and, uh, you know, manually printing the scores. And, and I love that you still do that because to me it's always the heartbeat of a tournament, you know, when people can gather around the scoreboard and watch the scores go up and the whole process of the scorecards being turned in and the camaraderie of everybody hanging around in that wonderful clubhouse setting at Montelani Resort with the golf shop on one side and the restaurant on the other. And the view to, the view is to, to die for. But uh, that's a really nice feature, the scoreboard, you know. I mean, and it, it takes a lot to, to do a nice scoreboard. It does, and uh, you know a lot of that credit goes to um, my staff and and Kyra Chun, who's my executive secretary, who actually had rights <laughs> the scoreboard yes, uh, every single year. And her family, yes. right? And her yeah. yeah, and her family. Her parents come in volunteer, and a few of our other PGA volunteers uh, that that come on and support the event. You know, and that to me, the success of the event is not led because of me or the section. It's really in our staff and our volunteers and our sponsors that are committed to the vision that we're trying to provide to them so that they can see what the out, output is in the event, whether it's a top amateur player continuing to college or a college graduate coming back and playing as a professional like David Fink and TJ Kua or Alex Ching or Alex Chiarella. I mean, when they see that connectivity with those players, how they've come full circle from their contributions, I think that is where we have that spark of connectivity that inspires our sponsors and supporters and volunteers to continue helping. And it's, I, I and it's the inner... Even the moms and it's, that are catting, yeah. right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, Tad Fujikawa, another great example. Dean Wilson, another great example. It, but it's that kindness that that our players have that thank our volunteers and make them feel appreciated and recognize them. I think recognition is probably one of the biggest things in the golf industry that continues to make it successful when we recognize the people that are supporting it indirectly, like our volunteers and our staff that are behind the scenes. Because major events don't just happen because somebody wrote a check to us. They happen because people are supportive and engaged and bought into this vision that we're trying to provide to help grow the industry. Well, I'm just thinking about, you know, Big Island Candy, how, you know, how many years Alan has been, you know, contributing to the game of golf, not just to the Aloha section of PGA, but junior golf, everything. And as you mentioned, your other sponsors too. But, Wes, you certainly raised the bar, and your volunteers, I think, enjoy, and your staff, and everybody around the events enjoys working in an environment where everybody wants it to be the best it can be. And you, you've certainly been able to create that environment. And I, I really, uh, you know, 
celebrate you and that, having been an organizer of events and watching you and watching the Aloha Section PGA and seeing where it's gone in the last uh, number of years. So, But the important thing is the spectators are welcome out here at the Hawaii State Open coming up December uh, 15th, uh, 16th, 17th. It's, it's just a wonderful place to view. And what's nice is that spectators do come out to watch. That's a great you, – you can watch from the clubhouse. You can watch from the putting green. You can go out and sit around the 18th the green. I mean, it's it really encourages people to come on out and watch. And as you say, watch not just the professionals, but the amateurs that we've all kind of grown up, you know, reading about them, watching them, whether just junior golfers pursuing the amateur side. Uh, as they grow older, or older, older amateurs pursuing the senior amateur division, it's for everybody, isn't it? Absolutely, because the game is for everybody. And you know, like you said, we love to have spectators come out and uh, and follow. Unfortunately, we don't have enough carts for this because we give priority to our tournament players first. But you're more than welcome to bring an umbrella and walk along the fairways, uh, the green emerald fairways of Manalani, and enjoy some great golf. And uh, and if you don't mind, uh, Emily, for for any of your listeners that are interested in supporting this event or any of our future events, they're more than welcome to contact here at the Aloha Section PGA office. Uh, follow us online through our social media feeds, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and, and Twitter. Or visit us at ASPGA.com, which is our website that has all the information on how you can reach us or support the growth of the game here in Hawaii. Well, it's been a pleasure, you know, watching, being involved, reporting on uh, everything, the game of golf. I'm forever grateful that I was a junior golfer, quit for about 20 years, got back in it when I moved back to Hawaii, or moved to Hawaii, and uh, it's just a, a wonderful game, and I can't encourage people, whatever age it is, <laughs> you know, to, to get involved in the game, whether it's a volunteer or a player. And uh, Wesley Wailehua, the executive director and CEO of the Aloha Section PGA and Foundation. Look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. And thank you for your time this morning. I just realized we talked quite a while, but I certainly appreciate it. <laughs> Mahalo, Emily. Thanks for all your support. Look forward to seeing you online in a few weeks. Aloha. Okay. Take care. See Emily T. Gale, Talk Story Show, uh, available at uh, Emily T. Gale on Facebook and Emily T. Gale Talk Story on Facebook and iTunes free podcast, and uh, aloha to everybody. Just uh, take a junior golfer, take a friend, go out and hit some balls. Just want to remind everybody that the resorts up and down the Kohala Coast where we are here, wonderful uh, practice facilities out at Waikoloa Beach Resorts where I kind of love to practice because I love their chipping green, Hakuna, um, all of them, Big Island Country Club, Kona Country Club, lots of nice practice facilities and places to to work on your game and, and have a lot of fun with uh, friends and family and the camaraderie that the game offers to all of us at whatever level we play. Thanks again for listening to the Emily T. Gale Talk Story Show.